Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello to everyone who is here listening. Welcome to Dismembering Horror, episode 109 of Dismembering Horror. It mm-hmm. is, we are, we are in projecting to you this podcast show, a podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. We love to go there. We love to go here. We love to go all sorts of which ways in our discussions, which you'll soon find out if you haven't already. Anything else <laughs> to add, Tim, what this show is? Wow. What is a show that's pretty broad i meant (laughs) well i mean if you want to start there clarify (laughs) what a show is not just this show by all means well i think it's you know we're doing our best to create a bridge to your ear holes from our mouth holes and disseminate the the brain waves that we Received from a film that went from the screen waves into our eyeballs and then like into our brains. And then all sorts of loopy <laughs> which ways after that, right? All right. Well, well I, yeah. I hope that helps clarify something for you <laughs> listening to what we're doing yeah. here. In, uh, in rare form, we're recording on a Monday morning just uh, because mm. of some scheduling things we're doing. Um, and it's a weird Monday morning here in Los Angeles. It's it's sure the, is the light is uh, well, I mean, it must be all the fires, of course, but it's a yep. it's an orange haze. It's been hot. It's like the hottest it's ever been here. I think in all my years here this last weekend, it's not really mm-hmm. going down drastically. Bleh, it's that late summer blue. It's I'd say blues, but it's too orange and weird to be bluesy. Yeah, it's it's certainly eerie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, makes me want to watch those summer horror movies. I've started. I felt like I'm already getting in the the holiday spirit, as in the October. Halloween horror movie spirit. Shudder is doing uh, 61 days of horror where they're like, God, we're starting early this year. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine by me. It's always too short. Yeah, my, my friend was like, she said something about everybody's starting to put their Halloween decorations out. And I was like, it's, it's Labor Day. <laughs> I mean, I I would like we yeah we haven't even gotten to this month's holiday. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go as far as putting decorations up yet. I'd save that for October. But as Jesus. far as like sort of, um, I'm so in the mode of like, oh, well, I should hang off on this horror movie because it's going to be October next month. I'm like, no. In that sense, I'm starting early. I don't know. I mean, 
something to look forward to. I don't get me wrong. I love October, but like <laughs> I like October in October. <laughs> yeah. I no, no, really I am just speaking in like hey, horror movie terms, if those can be out in the air anymore. And see, think of it not as like a total crossing over, but like a sort of the gates are slowly starting to open, kind of <laughs> easing into it just sure. in, in the, the movie uh, essence to eyes realm that you described. And then come October 1st, the ghouls and goblins shall be released in full. full. Mm. As the ghosts will be, as the ghosts in the film that we watched that is the subject of today's episode called I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House by writer-director horror royalty Osgood to his friends Oz Perkins. And now I say the name Perkins. You must know what, the, what that makes him. That's right. He's the son of Anthony Perkins. Tim, what's your, what's your history with this film or his films? Um, that's a good question. Cause I don't know if I know of his films. Let's see. Oh yeah. So I have seen just the black coat's daughter and this one. Cool. I've I'm opposite order. I saw uh, Gretel and Hansel first. Then we, I watched this for our show and I think the black coat's daughter is in our hat. Um, but it's, it is, yeah. it is. It's one I'm excited to watch because, boy, man, I was really, really... I watched it before we were really doing this. Yeah. No, I loved... um, And I don't remember it at all. (laughs) I I loved Gretel and Hansel. So it's just sort of been fun uh, seeing what else is... um, You know, I wanted to see what else he had. So we're doing that. Great. Well, anything else you'd like to offer before we watch the trailer? Hmm... (laughs) <laughs> I guess not. Cinnamon buns? Well, I ate one the other day. Great. How'd well, you know that? <laughs> just thought that maybe you'd want to share in the joy and give us all listening some cinnamon, bun- cinnamon buns right now. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great. <laughs> Whatever that was. Now let's <laughs> check it out. I'm going to say the nice, nice chunky title again to lead us into our trailer from 2016. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. I have heard myself say the house that holds a memory of a death is the staying place of a rotted ghost. My name is Lily. I'm going to be staying with you from now on. I hope that's all right. I am 28 years old. I will never be 29. The pretty thing you are looking at is me. But it is me that still cannot see any of what is coming. can see only the drawer that opens. Hello? And the spots that spread. And the terrible book. Ooh, spooky trailers. Tim. So, so spooky. <laughs> Tim. Wow, per our rating system, this film, would you tell yourself to avoid it, stream it, avoid it? it? 
or buy it? Avoid it. Why, That's what Tim? I would tell myself. In summary, it's why? not a movie. <laughs> why not? Because a bunch of reasons, but the main one is we never, it, it doesn't do anything. All it does is sit there with a like central question that never gets answered and a three-way split narrative that is completely not like cohesive. <laughs> so it's like there's no main character. There's no antagonist. Uh there's no story arc. There's no real conflict and there's no resolution. It's not a fucking movie. It's barely a story. Yeah. Well, I uh, won't disagree with you. I mean, I don't disagree with you, which is why I won't disagree with you. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yet, yet, but, and it, it was heavy enough on atmosphere and chills and moments and performances in filmmaking. Uh, while it, I found it a bit trying for the reasons you mentioned throughout it, by the end, it's uh, absolutely something I'm happy to have absorbed, uh, especially since I loved Gretel and Hansel so much. It is just neat to see kind of things that maybe weren't 100% there yet, but just sort of the gestation of it all. Mm-hmm. So for that, and I got really scared at the end by the ghost. So, <laughs> so anytime something does that, that's a uh, really few, few and far between. Yeah. I don't know. It looked, uh, it looked, it looked, it felt creepy and real. I don't know. It was, it was cool how it was shot. And I don't know. I think I was so kind of lost or just not caring about like the backstory. As soon as I was, I was, as I was like, Wait, why is she wearing a blindfold? I was just like, whatever. I don't know. I was You're so out. forgiving. I mean, that's <laughs> insane to me. Well, like, yes, okay, there's atmosphere and that's fine. But like, that doesn't make for a movie. It just makes for atmosphere. Honestly, that's what I'm curious to kind of get into is why Demon... Uh, I could say, you know, is the same things, but that was just an avoid it for me. Yet this one wasn't. So I don't know. Type of atmosphere. <laughs> I don't know what else, what it may be. But um, well, well, if, demon, demon actually has interpersonal conflict. Yeah. But I wouldn't care like there's about something that, going on. Right. But I didn't really. That wasn't, but similarly to this, it what whatever was there in that regard wasn't enough to hold my attention. So, I mean, I still kind of group them in that sense for me. As far as what I did like about them both was completely story stuff aside. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, well, I, I, this type of thing pisses me off because <laughs> yeah, it feels. Look, I, I think it's I, honestly, I think it's a cool like exercise in creating atmosphere and yeah. like 
There are shots that I think are really nice. I think that I, I agree performances. There are moments of good performance and and like those things are all fine and good. But like you're making a 90 minute movie, 87 minute movie. And there's no there there. And I think it pisses me off because nothing against Osgood, honestly, nothing against him. He didn't choose who his dad is. You know what I mean? But it just, to me, it kind of reeks of a version of, of like industry nepotism where it's like, rather than like him getting the opportunity to do this because like his dad pushed for it or, you know, something like that. It's like the industry was like, well, we better give him a shot because he's Anthony Perkins's son. And I just, and it's like, if I handed me who has no connection to the industry, like familial connection, if I handed them this script, they would fucking laugh in my face. And I just think that that pisses me off just as a, broad i'm not blaming anybody individually for that but as a just a broad systemic fucking thing that i think is annoying in the industry Mm -hmm. like they got how much money to make this movie well oh it's netflix so you don't really get to know um (laughs) (laughs) but you know i would guess that they got a million or two million dollars to make this movie yeah if not more Possibly more. It really pisses me off. I mean, these are extraordinarily talented actresses, too. Yeah. Well, and the guy, the the one guy who's in it, he's he's a very talented dude, too. Um, I don't I, know. Just the whole I, the whole thing kind of pisses me off. I feel like this could have just been a short film instead. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have a feeling it was a short film, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then they're like, "Okay, how do we just pad it out?" I don't know. I was, yeah, it's yeah. It, I was definitely I don't feeling know if that's true, but I was definitely feeling that padding. But I was I was pretty creeped out during it. Just like the the sheer like the style and the atmosphere. Like it's it's it was just it was just so much. It did so much for me. I don't know other how to put it other than that right now. Yeah. Um, but well, well, what are we even really talking about here? Um, could we get <laughs> your summary? Oh, you want me to summarize this? Okay, ready? <laughs> yeah. A uh, what do you call uh, um, uh, an, a hospice worker. a live-in nurse? There you go, live-in nurse Lily takes a job. For a older woman who presumably has, you know, dementia of some sort. And um, she, the end. <laughs> no, so she she shows up, has to stay in this house. She she uh, uh, one creepy thing happens to her. Unexplainable creepy thing happens to her. And then she's like very fastidious. Um, and the the woman whose house it is is formerly a novelist or writer of some sort, short short 
book writer. It seems. A, hor- a horror writer specifically. Is it horror specifically? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Lily is a bit of a, she's very, like I said, she's fastidious and she's also very sort of proper. Like she doesn't swear. She says she's sort of like, um, what's her name from misery sort of says nuts and stuff like that instead of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of it. There's, she, she, she gets curious because the woman, what's the woman's name? Where, the, where is it? Mrs. No. Waxcap. Oh, no. <laughs> Mrs. Blum. Sorry. Yeah. So Mrs. Blum won't call Lily Lily. She will only call her Polly. Yeah. And so Lily tries to figure out why that is. Because yeah. traditionally with people who are having dementia, they if they're locked into a, 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 a name like that, that usually indicates that it's somebody who is important to them in their lives. And... It turns out that in one of Mrs. Blum's books, the lead, the main character was named Polly. And the, then we get to sort of, sort of see kind of some of the, the story of that, that book, but really not at all. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's like, sort of suggested. It's one of those we get, it's like a three timeline, intersecting timeline stories. Mm, where we have sort um, of. It, it's it's cutting between we have I wouldn't modern say day, intersecting <laughs> sorry and and not modern but day go ahead yeah no we have yeah. it, it like the the current one quote unquote is like the 1970s I think it's what the decor looks like which I figured you were been eating that up Tim I thought that was fun and that's the one that Lily's in with old Iris and then we also go back to young Iris as she's in the same house uh, typing her stories. And then we go back further to uh, Polly and her husband um, when they built and moved into the house. And um, we get, and then it, it kind of does the thing too, where we do, it's kind of like Hill House where we get the sort of ghosts cross space and time kind of thing where they're always sensing the presence of of each other in a way. And, and we also, also we know from the get go that our, our main gal Lily is going to pass away. She says, I'm 28. I won't live to be 29. And there's a, some of the ongoing mystery things. There's like a, um, a section of the house that's all moldy. And that turns out that's where, uh, the wife was, um, killed and her body was put. Um, right. Let's see, we got the, the, the realtor, not the realtor, but the sort of, um, the guy, the manager of the estate, the lawyer of the estate, uh, is yeah. coming in, checking in on things. And, um, and then it's kind of a story too, of, we have the main girl, Lily, she's, um, she's, she's, yeah, afraid of, afraid of scary stories. Doesn't want to read them. Does his hates horror movies, that kind of thing. And here she is living in the house of a horror writer who she never wants to read her stories yet. She's forced to in order to figure out what the heck is going on. And then that sort of, well, and, and then she, it's cool. Cause she goes like, sure. she's, she's telling herself the only way she gets herself to do it, to read the book. She's telling herself, this is all, this is not real. These are just stories on a page. It's not real. It's not real. And then to see her discovery of no, this is real. This has happened. That's cool. 
Right. Um, Look, I I think that that's all true. That happens. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still, in spite of all of those elements, it never it never parses out into an actual story because we like, we don't get, I mean, the end is we don't get to know anything about the question of how did Polly die or not even how, but like what the circumstances of her death were. Um, the ending is Lily seeing the ghost and it literally scaring her to death. So there's no well whatever we can talk about the the merits of that um but that's the end she mm-hmm. she dies of of fright yep and then becomes one of the spirits in the house yep who is the one that we sort of i think saw at the beginning um where like she just barely sees it or just misses it of like a ghost with a sort of a white knit sweater on i think that's her she sees anyway tim it sounds mm, like you're set to talk sure. about well, it sounds like you're pretty set to talk about what did not work uh but <laughs> in, in order to do that first we have a section called what did work so you ready to get that out of the way sure all right here we go what worked All right, so I guess we can get out of the way like the broad things uh, that you may, it sounds like you agree with to an extent as far as atmosphere, which includes how it's shot, um, the sound design. Oh my God, like. Oh, so that, I remember there was a moment where I was, I was maybe midway through the movie and I was really kind of pissed off because I was just feeling like, we're going nowhere and I was getting kind of like just wound up about all the things that were pissing me off. And then it cuts to a scene where it's raining and she's like in the kitchen. And I was like, well, at least the sound design is pretty fucking awesome. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, it's so awesome though. Like when we, we sort of start out with um, the opening is a shot of the, the ghost um, Polly walking and her face is kind of a trail following itself and then we get um a, a voiceover over that and the quality that that had of the sound was it's just this kind of like pseudo crackle it's mm-hmm. it's i loved it it sounds like we were kind of you know pitching a tuning fork into the paranormal realm and picking something up and then same with how um that extended to the design of the music too where the music was neat enough itself, but it had this layer of design over it where it would kind of kind of warble in something mm-hmm. that just struck that really nice balance of being like between electronic and organic that makes it sound like it's so it's so it sounds like it's neither of those things. And it does just sound supernatural, paranormal. Um 
but that that opening shot it started instilling that and along with those sound effects instilling that atmosphere i was i was really i loved that opening shot i thought that was so cool i you know i think the shot itself is cool sure i i'll stop there great <laughs> well it it sounds like it had me more than it had you in that moment um where i was i was just i was i was ready for it to to do whatever it was going to do for me at that point with that opening yeah. shot i thought it was great and then that sound design um and a big part of that atmosphere too like as we said so many you know haunted house haunted house uh movies obviously don't need to say that but a big part of that like when you when you know that is oh you go all right well what what's the house what's being done it's such it's such an overarching um uh well it's important for for what kind of haunted haunted house movie it's going to be the house itself um mm-hmm. this one it was cool it was kind of what was um like the innkeepers was at an older england uh like hotel or bed and breakfast i think this was cool yeah. as as far as just thinking of other things that might be in that sort of built in the 1800s house time i don't know like when i went and visited the stanley hotel in uh estes park at like a famous haunted hotel it like this 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 house had that kind of feel to it for me where it was like made in 1800s like white like very just kind of I don't know, mm-hmm. woody it's and very New England. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to say it. Very New England, woody white. And um to then I thought this it, 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 this movie did such a good job of like tapping into specifically what kind of that atmosphere and eeriness is and extracting that and instilling it really made me feel like I was seeing the kind of ghost I would see in this place. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Lot of lot of wainscoting. What is that? <laughs> wainscoting is that it's the a name vert it's a vertical white usually white uh well maybe not but often in the new england style of that era it's it's vertical planks that line the walls about halfway give or take depends um they don't go the whole length of the wall they're like a a dec- uh, a, a decorative you know feature on walls of that era got it um i think sometimes there's another term or there's another similar thing called shiplap uh of that era too that's sort of a similar vibe great i loved the shiplap i loved the wainscoting (laughs) and it felt like a shiplapped wainscoting ghost to me it was cool yeah um it's very old you know, old country style New England. It's that's like every fucking every like rich person on Martha's Vineyard is like, please, like remodel my mansion to look like that. <laughs> so weird. It's you know? look to look like a, it looks like a, like a haunted schoolhouse. Like, why would yeah. you? I don't know. Um, as I already said, too, in kind of the summary, I like what the sort of setup story was of someone who's just terrified of scary stories having to take care of um ex-horror author now with dementia so she can't i just i just thought that was a really cool frame framing device um and and did keep me in you know just sort of i don't know it's just that was uh 
I don't know, not quite a mystery, but it was something going on that sort of held me more than like her personality. You mean? Um, No, just just um, I guess. Yeah. as, As an aspect of it. But just like when we get to the fact that she can't like ask her questions directly, but like maybe she's getting some information that's applicable and sort of not knowing what's reliable or not in that. That was interesting. But then, yeah, but then getting for her forced to um, to have to read something herself and then going into the box and discovering these letters, all that stuff I thought was neat. And sort of like when you're trapped in a place with a person yet can't. Um, yeah, it's like she's there and she's not, you know, that's sort mm-hmm. of, I don't know, worked in the, the ghostly sense in that way. I don't know that. Um, well, I was curious, what did you mean when you said there is a central question and it just never answered it? Like, what was the central question for you? Well, it's set up. Well, it's the central cr- question to me is. How does Polly die? Because they they kind of overemphasize that three times i believe um and it's it's linked to it's sort of overlapping with the climax of the movie or or really the the setup which is lily saying you know i'm 28 and i won't live to see 29 so you're kind of getting these dual the dual question of like how is lily gonna die and in reflection of that how did Polly die because in the Polly story, the um, the voiceover literally is saying, I think it's actually um, it's Iris's voiceover when she's first writing the book, saying, you know, Polly told me all of the things about her life except for how she died. Mm-hmm. And so once you set that as a as a thing that she did never, nobody ever got the answer then the central premise of the whole story becomes when are we going to get that answer? And we do get it. We get the result. We don't get the why at all, right? The result being that her husband hit her over the head with a mallet and and put her body in the walls. But we don't get the why at, in any form. Right. Well, um, and we don't, I mean, I guess you could kind of, I, you know, you could make some guesses, um, but we're never, we're never, uh, there's no real suggestion of any sort of what the why is. Like I could, I could make a leap and say, oh, well, since we, this, the movie talks quite a lot about, you know, I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house or like when somebody dies in the house you know, they they stay there and then everybody after that is just sort of like uh, borrowing the house from the spirits. So if that's true, you can maybe make the leap that the husband was haunted by whatever spirits lived there previously that they were borrowing the house from and that led him to kill his wife. But that's never – that's a leap. I'm totally making that. Well, that's not I, in any way suggested. Yeah, I don't know if this, this answers this at all, but uh, I did really like – how throughout they kind of hammered home the sort of it's like a quote that sort of tells you the rules, but sort of leaves out that mystery of like, oh, but since these are ghostly dealings, we don't know exactly why or how. But they say throughout um, 
that once that you can't sell a house uh, to another living person or like something about how like the living can't be the ones to sell a house to a living once someone has died there because once someone has died there, they will always be the 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 possessor of the house. Right. Um, I like that. Yeah, but yes, sure. That's certainly stated. And I think that we see that Iris, the author, buys into that through uh, Polly's writings or communicatings or what, however they you know, get information or she gives information to Iris because that's a little vague too. But that Iris has decided and that's why she's you know, living in that house to her death. Like that's part of her will is to say I'm going to like <laughs> – or whatever, her estate. It, it, legally speaking, she's going to stay there until she dies and then the house will be given over to somebody rather than sold. Yeah, yeah. So that's there. Um, I don't think that it – well – it's just a fact. It's just a the it's a rule of the story that they decided to adhere to. Great. I um I liked the when she's oh so this is this was a touch where it was like cool to see how he is beginning to experiment this with this, but like really then yeah with Gretel and Hansel was great. But like the moments where she's um she's you know she sees the sort of moldy wet spots. And then she like touches one and it's a little spot on her finger and that Mm -hmm. she can't quite scrape off. And I I mean that, that in itself got to me. I feel like that's happened to me. You get a weird little mark Mm -hmm. or something. And then that extends to, she starts uh, nightmaring where we don't know if it's real or not, that her arms are getting like bloated and wet and covered with all these, these inky moldy spots. She flips out. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was just a fun little moment. I thought, of uh, not just the visual, but the whole um, when it's a story of someone, you know, sort of losing their sanity in a certain way and not knowing, not, yeah. not being able to parse out what's real or what's not. That was fun. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, <laughs> this is so I think my biggest issue is this. This is a movie that has a bunch of very, very smart uh concept like elements that i like all of them great all right Right? so (laughs) so for example the setting is great right the characters are great for the most part i I wish we got more of polly but they like fine um the the aspects of the characters are really cool. Like the, the nuances of them. So like, uh, Lily being this, like you're saying this, she's a scaredy cat. That's a cool character trait. She, it it has this fastidiousness of like, not, you know, she says that thing of like, you know, I, I wear white to remind the patients that like, I'm untouchable. And that alone, that we're off to the races, right? Like that's a really good setup to be like, okay, that's her justification. But what it's really speaking to is her deeper like desire to not contract something or to, you know, like it speaks to a germophobia sort of 
characteristic in her. Mm. And that I think is really cool. Um, And when you combine those two things of like, I'm in a haunted place potentially, and I am implicitly scared of everything, right? Like I'm a person who is easily frightened um, almost to a pathological level, or we can build to that. Plus you combine that with her own neuroses of germophobia. Like those are all really cool setups because we've then literally just put somebody whose worst nightmare is getting sick or infected and or haunted into a place that is haunted and sick. Right. Right. (laughs) That's very smart. Like all of that totally for me, great setup, great characterization, like the execution of visuals within that. Great. I'm, I'm on board with all of that shit. Well, I can pretty easily wrap up the things that worked for me. If you want to finish that thought on your big butt. (laughs) Okay, sure. Get to your big butt. Um, so yeah, I already said too in the summary. I love anything that's like ghost across time and space. Any sort of those moments hinting at, oh, like the when the author is young, she feels someone looking at her, and it is um, Lily in the present. Um, I loved um, the the chair shot. I'll call it. We're towards the beginning, like in the first sort of um, where she's on the phone and that whole section, it keeps just showing this chair where it's like not be, it's sort of like a close up of the top of it. Sort of you're from the point mm-hmm. of view on the table that it's um, that it's sitting next to. And it, it just gives, I don't, I don't know. It just creeped me way out. It's, it, I thought it was so effective of you're just like, it just, I don't know, it just built the tension of like, is it going to move or just gave, gave the sense that something was sitting there? I don't know. It was just doing, mm. it was just doing a whole lot. And the fact that I can't say specifically what it was doing was great, but just the way it just, I don't know. It, I loved I it. Felt, I felt that too, actually. And then there was a moment where we heard the sound of a chair being pulled across the floor. Yeah, but that, but we didn't see a chair move unless I completely no, like, we didn't. It, it didn't move, right? Yeah, but we hear it. Oh, right, right, yeah. But Lily doesn't react to it in that moment. She's still on the phone and she just keeps talking. I was, I was very confused because mm. then I thought to myself, "Wait, did did I mishear something just now?" <laughs> I didn't quite register that uh, it was a chair moving sound, so. Well, okay. I mean, uh, my other thought was maybe it was supposed to be that it was just a noise from upstairs like that. Because I think there's some footsteps or or kind of like thumps that are heard right around that time too. So I thought, oh, maybe they're doing a different thing. But I agree with you. The chair being in the foreground in the the direction – I mean it's two chairs really. They're next to each other. But those being in the foreground of the shot so much – really got your brain kind of going when's that gonna move (laughs) (laughs) or just it it, or something it made it so like once then after seeing this chair and seeing this chair once she does sit in it it just it just made a uh, made a suspenseful moment out of something so small like Mm -hmm. i I don't know it just it was just neat the sort of what it was suggesting to me of like okay is someone or something upset about someone sitting Mm -hmm. in this chair 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just it was great, but so, so subtly, I just love that level that it was uh, executed on. And then yeah. um, I loved this the, the ending. Once we finally got to, it was all reaching ahead of her death moment where she, uh, well, I mean, when she sees the ghost and screams and the music is just a hundred performances. Very good. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred (laughs) percent. I bought it. The music is just a hundred percent blasting with it too. Um, I mean, if the whole movie is a slow burn, talk about like when it finally shoots off in that moment, I just felt like my, my heart leap out of my chest. Like, Oh man, that was incredible. Um, and then, uh, and then leading up to that, just like the way hearing you describe a ghost uh, and how it looked, like I, I just thought that was so cool. Where when we, um, it was this this one panning shot where we see, and it's it's no music too. It's a perfect mm-hmm. moment for no music where we see the poly ghost walking. Where it's like her body's going, it's like her body's going no her head's facing forward but her body's facing backwards but she's still walking like in the direction that she, her face is facing um i mean that was a- i think it's the other way around right she she's it's like her torso is on backwards but her arms are on forwards <sighs> and she's walking it's very it's very weird right <laughs> oh man i mean if it didn't even need it to make it creepy just how they like made the ghost look, but it certainly added to it in a way that I loved. But you had that in that shot where you saw it walking. I just thought it was so creepy and brilliant, like in way we haven't seen in any of the ghost movies or any of the movies that we've watched, but I've always wanted where there's like this no music moment. We see the ghost walking in that creepy way in one section of the house. And then like we sort of are tracking with her and it's like, Okay, now we know she's in this area of the house where we can't see. Mm-hmm. And then out walks our main gal, Lily, um, instead of the ghost. And it just, oh, it just gave me that. Yeah, yeah. It just gave me that feeling of like as if someone saw a ghost behind you and you turn and it's not there anymore. But like right. you just go, yeah. oh, my God, I just I just felt it, though, with me or I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was no, so I'm effective. I thought it was great. Yeah. I loved that moment. Um. Anyway, and that's about that's about it. <laughs> I I uh cool. I guess I'll get into why things worked for me despite <laughs> whatever you have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the next section, but cool. I think I think you're ready for it. I'm ready for it. So let's do yes. it. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> All right, should I start? I think so. <laughs> Look. <laughs> All the things we said, right? Like, I'm down. I like all these elements. But, and and I, I guess you could kind of chalk it up to, like, it's just they made a stylistic choice to really emphasize the, the space and the, uh, just the, the weight of emptiness, I guess, sort of, you know, there's so, the whole movie 
to me, like my memory of the whole movie is just one long, slow tracking shot, right? We're pushing in or we're, we're laterally moving, we're panning, we're, it's just, and it's all at this very slow pace and it's of just the house. Like sometimes there's a character in that shot and sometimes there's not, but like, that's all I'm left with. And I think that as a style is totally cool. Like, I I, I mean, I was just watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Like, Spielberg uses these pans and these sort of push-ins and a lot of camera moves to emphasize moments. The problem for me, just inherently with doing that in this film, is that it's 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 not telling us anything right it doesn't lead us to any sort of under deeper understanding or you know it doesn't emphasize a character's sort of feelings in a moment it 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 just isn't it's just a camera move and the result initially for the first 10 minutes is sort of getting to set this this tone which I was like down for. But then after 60 minutes of just crawling around the house, like I-, I was like, dude, something has to happen. We need like in order for those moves to mean anything or be effective or lead us somewhere like we need some push pull. We need like some we need the roller coaster to go. We want to swell and then come back to 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 earth like there needs to be some sort of movement of story to make to justify having that camera move continue continue to mean something and and be effective because after a certain amount of time i just was like i'm just bored i just feel like i'm floating in in water looking at nothing and i i it there's no story to latch on to enough for that style of eeriness to pay off. I mean, there for me, when the final moment comes, I I was so at a level of boredom and not caring that it didn't matter how good that moment in its in and of itself was, because three things, the three things that I think you need the most for this particular story did not exist for me. I did not care about Lily. I did not know what the point of Polly's death was. And I didn't have any connection with Lil uh with Iris, the writer, as to how this uh experience of living in that house affected her. Now, just so that I'm not sounding like an asshole being like, man, nah, I didn't like it. If I were making this movie, here's how I would solve those three things. Lily, create a character arc so that we are constantly seeing her actually battle with her neuroses. She doesn't want to believe that there are ghosts there. And if the if the final moment, the thing that kills her is that ghosts exist and she sees one and it, it scares her to death – we need to see her throughout the story go down the rabbit hole. And in order to do that effectively, in my opinion, 
you have to have push pulls of that question. Is she going to do ghosts to exist? Is she going to come to a point where she says yes? And how will that affect her? So her whole character should be more predicated on that question. Is that real? So that when we get the answer, she gets the answer in the in it in in such a way that literally fucking kills her. We go, ah, oh, shit, <laughs> because if she's constantly having experiences and then finding ways to justify that it's not real, it's her belief system against reality. And when those two actually finally collide, her belief system falls apart and she dies. So we need more. We need to see her hold on harder to her belief system, justify it to the point of looking it in the face and still not believing, right? That that's that's her character and and it's it's almost there but it's not there. It's not fleshed out. It we we get too many little like oh this is just a moment that's cool because we thought it would be cool to have her arms have boils all over it. So what? Right? Like I I just there's so much so what in it because we never get the next thing which is her as a character trying to actually figure out what the fuck just happened because it's flies in the face of her belief system. So that's her. The second one is Polly. We you it it's impossible for me to care that somebody got killed and put in a wall and is haunting a house if we only get a scene with her with a blindfold on walking around. That mean it means it's creepy and it's interesting to look at, but it literally fucking means nothing to me from a story point of view. And so I I want that, whatever that, it it could be any number of things. Just give us a little, like two scenes toward the end of actually do one at the beginning, which is a setup scene and a misdirect as to what might happen. And one toward the end that, that turns that on its head and makes us go, Oh shit. So you get the kill. Like you get to see her get killed and you, okay, that's fine. And you, you deduce that she's been put in the wall. We kind of see it. That's also fine. We don't know why we did whatever. It's just open-ended. I, I You need more so that you know why the fuck she's the fact that she got killed and put in a wall is not enough to justify why she's haunting. Like to me, it, it it's fine. Yes, that's a that is the most surface reason for somebody to haunt a place. They got killed there. Great. But why? So the third thing is Iris. How does she play into any of this? She she lived there and she wrote a book about it, but she's got dementia now. Why? Is it because Polly haunted her into dementia like she lost her mind from being haunted by this person? I We never get that answer. And there's no actual relationship between Lily and and Iris. They have a they have like two scenes together that are just one is Lily talking at her. Because she's got dementia. And the other is Iris talking at Polly when Lily is in the room. That's it. Like, 
for me, I just you need more like you need something to hang your hat on a little bit so that when things happen, you, you know, the dominoes start to fall and you, the audience, start to go, holy shit, it's because of this. Like you're setting up this whole structure of a like who done it like why the the big whys and it's all like i love what you're talking about this sort of cross um dimensional time overlap stuff fuck yeah could we have seen more that maybe the reason iris lost her mind is because she saw fucking lily lily's spirit in the past from the future like, if that had paid off, if we had gotten that sense, even just a suggestion of it, like, have Iris, you know, have this moment of of terror. We see that. We know that early on that that sort of led to her bedridden state. You know, she's all one line. She's never been the same since since the stroke. Great. No problem. Then we later get to see what caused this fucking stroke, and it's Lily's ghost from the future in the past. I'd be fucking down for all of that. But we don't get anything. We, I mean, literally don't get anything. We get moments that are creepy, that are loosely tied together by the fact that they all live in the same house. And that's, to me, it's just not fucking enough. And it, the end result was sort of just shrug your shoulders, whatever for me. Even when something cool happened, I was like, I don't care. I it like it's not enough. So all right, rant over. I liked you had the the three points therein to go with the suggestions. It was good. I uh, I do. I I think you make good points, and I would love to see a different version with them implemented. Um, I, well, what I thought was interesting. Okay. Where, well, yeah, I totally agree with all that. Um, but as far as just, I think what made up for all that for me was when you talked, when you mentioned before the three points, like you were into how it was shot and the atmosphere and all that, that for me gave me, what I, I hung my hat on for this. Like, even though, yeah, it, it felt like, yeah, there wasn't enough stuff on the actual characters and what they're, where they're going through. I think you could still do that and you still get whatever I got from it. And that would have only made it better. But, but something about setting that atmosphere in a way that was so effective, it makes it so it is more like you, like you were saying, well, what is it doing? What is it exploring that's deeper? For me, it just goes like as broad and as deep as like what are ghosts and and why are ghosts? Um, so, but don't you? But don't you think that if you're going to set that up and and have that be like you're aiming to have the audience kind of have that feeling that it'd be nice to at least give some suggestion of a possible answer. I don't, I don't think you have to nail it on the nose and be like, and here's the answer of what we think ghosts are. But like, if you're setting up that atmosphere to like, get you thinking about that kind of thing, I, 
I don't think they ever really gave us enough to kind of be like, oh, that's a good like maybe that's what they're suggesting and that's a possibility for the audience. Well, like give it they just never felt like there was enough for us to kind of go, ooh. It seemed like what I thought was so interesting about the first shot, it the sort of like challenge of the movie for me was like you set up a first shot where we see like what we presume is a ghost walking. Even though it's a black sure, space right. it's a black space of nothingness. So it could be kind of more, you know, mm-hmm. not grounded or we don't know what it is. But the stance of the movie feels just that like, okay, ghosts are something they're walking around. They are here. Like, you know, it doesn't question their existence. Um, so that was, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't need it. I guess be, that I just saw as more like that's, that's where it existed versus sort of it needing to raise an answer or raise and not answer mm-hmm. a, a question. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. And, and when I, and it was beyond kind of like a a information based you know exploration of what are ghosts but more just like it it put me to that the feeling spot in sheer atmosphere um so so the question of like what are ghosts why are ghosts it was merely just like putting me in touch with a feeling that you know they feeling like they were real kind of thing in a place mm-hmm. where I was like so open to believing in them. Um, I don't know, or it just, it, it just put me in a really interesting place that not all other ghost movies have ever done. And I think as far as like, yeah, I, I would have, would have been that much better with those changes you suggested. Um, but maybe at a certain point, since I was so on board with that, I kind of just started viewing it more like an experimental film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wasn't distracted by the lack of those things. I was definitely feeling throughout. I was definitely feeling like, man, I sh- I'm not liking Lily as much as I feel like I should be. And, you know, to your mm. point. And so, no, I, I agree with each of those points. But I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, in the past, we've talked about the the thing not to do, right? Like, don't bore us. And you you are the person generally who who's... Seems like you're more likely to be bored than me. Maybe not. Just different types of movies bore us differently. Um, But this one, the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, Ryan's going to hate this. (laughs) He's going to be bored and he's going to be mad that he was bored. And the fact that you weren't really like fascinates me. Well, it was interesting experience because like the beginning for, you know, had me from those things we just talked about. And then I was really feeling the weight of it all, but I think I was just so like forgiving of it because of the filmmaking um, Mm. aesthetically and all that. And then I was almost ready to give it like a kind of like whatever stream it just to check out those things I liked, but because the ending hit so hard uh, in just looking at the ghost and feeling like it was a ghost. I that's, I just, that's what would put it to a rent for me. But um, yeah. so, certainly nothing. I could say it's more of a, a, a rent it to have seen it versus a rent it because I need to see it again anytime mm-hmm. soon. <laughs> yeah, um, I could see me like once he has more movies out and if I continue to be a fan of his to like revisit this someday, maybe. Um, and it was again, I also did just really enjoy it and gave it a rent just to sort of see 
he's sort of like getting the sea legs of where then he's really, really sailing, I think, with the next one. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for that sort of outside the film itself reasons, too. Sure. I was uh, so engaged. I have, a, I have a question about the fact that you liked how the ghost looked. <laughs> now, when you say that, just to be clear, are you specifically talking about the effect of the of Polly in in the house like when we see her walking through the house or whatever is that what you mean yes the effect so i fucking hated it <laughs> and here's here's why i hated it because it it all it looked like to me was a slightly de opacityed if that's a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they took a plate of the house, meaning for somebody who doesn't know what that means, meaning with one camera they shot, well, it's the same camera. They shoot the room, whatever you're looking at, empty, right? And that's your that's called a plate. So then you lay that plate down and then you shoot something else from the exact same angle or not. You could just do it in front of a green screen, whatever. And whatever you shoot, the second thing you shoot, you layer it on top of the plate. So all it looked like to me was a very, very simple, like 20% de-opacitied image on a plate. And because... It, I actually think I know why you liked it. <laughs> I dislike it for that exact reason. I liked it because it was, um, it felt it didn't need more. I liked that it was simple. And I just felt that mm -hmm. there was the a vision behind it of just, you know, when they're deciding on that opacity level, yeah, it's simple. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he's like, no, you know, 20% looks right, not 10%, not 40%. Sure. There's just, it just got keyed right into it. Um, yeah. Kind of in the way, like, I don't but know. But you like that it was crisp. Um, yeah. It's, and what I mean by crisp is the edges are crisp. Yeah, it seemed, it was kind of in that way that, like, uh, the effects in Twin Peaks The Return were for me. <laughs> I didn't see Or it. not, so it's, the effects as well as just like Twin Peaks, the return is what convinced me like you can use sharp digital to, um, to, to go places like where I always thought like, Oh no, you know, the film grain. I love that. That's what makes something feel more real. But, uh, Twin Peaks, mm. the return opened my, my, um, my world with possibilities of digital having a lot and only other films since then too. Of course, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was just yeah a different way of 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 doing it. But um, maybe that too is what made it feel a little different from other things too. Like yeah. that that little crispness made it feel like oh, it is just like when you hear someone describe seeing one where it's just like oh, it's just like a person was there, right? Well, the thing that beyond the I think the reason that it it felt not good to me is because we are a, a 
all of the other visuals that we've been handed that are ghosts are in that, you know, being it's the person in the blackness and that is sort of got a uh it's got that like smear blur uh effect going on and you have double images so that it's it's sort of and it's usually i think they're all in very very slow motion right like super high frame rate slowed down so that all looks really cool and so I think that from a design standpoint, to get this other thing when we actually see it in the house felt wrong because we had established this very cool effect previously. And so I think that the the dissonance between those two things was part of what made me go, no, why aren't we seeing the other thing? Like, in other words, why isn't Lily seeing the thing that we've been seeing We've been given the keys to what that what ghosts look like in this story. Mm-hmm. And the whole movie is waiting for Lily to see what we already know. Mm-hmm. And then when she sees it, we get a totally different version. And I think that just from a design point of view, the dissonance between those two things made me go, I know. Wait, what? <laughs> like That's. Why are we getting that? That's a totally new thing. Like, I don't want that. I want I want the other thing that we've been seeing. I guess that effect of the kind of moving blurry face, I think it did come back. I don't know. I just saw it as a thing that was used very specifically for specific moments versus like a design choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I agree. I mean, I think that it seems to me like they made a decision that the in the blackness thing is like sort of where your spirit it's like you you at when you've died that's like where your spirit kind of lives but people in the real world see spirits this other way which is cool but i'm making a leap to justify that rather than the filmmakers actually giving us a reason to firmly go Ooh, (laughs) like you just did, right? (laughs) So to me, that's kind of like it's in a way that kind of encapsulates what I my takeaway of like being being not into the movie is that it seems like a lot of cool ideas that aren't quite done being fleshed out. And the result is is a. It's a movie it, – it, it's 60% of the way there. And and again, I I am not trying to shit on the filmmakers. All I'm saying is – and this is almost always true. I can see a fucking extremely good movie in this movie and it didn't get there. Yeah. And that's always I mean that's what we're doing, right? Like <laughs> we're always in that space. There is no perfect movie. Well, somebody would argue there is, but there is no perfect movie from a filmmaker's standpoint. You're never there. Right. And you know, Osgood I think and if uh, you know, if uh, I'd like to see Hansel and Gretel or Gretel and Hansel, is it Gretel and Hansel? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that to see the evolution of how where he's gotten because this feels like sophomoric. To I me. think uh, I think you'll dig it because the themes are kind of um, 
embedded in the story way more. Sure. It has, well, yeah. um, he didn't write it either. <laughs> it has a sense of um, more of just a sort of classic horror movie sense of some kind of just trajectory. We know things are going to get bad and we're just kind mm-hmm. of watching them get worse. And um, the thing about is something a dream? Is it not? It sort of becomes about that. And that sort of his style definitely lends itself to that. Or, you know, it's yeah. it's used more than just few and far between, but it's like really used a lot. Um, and then something about, too, it being a live action fairy tale, dark fairy mm-hmm. tale. You can imagine that sort of narration and sort of the acting um, and direction sort of lending itself to mm-hmm. to that uh, world building. So I hope it. That's interesting. That makes me think of the sort of my one other I guess issue with this movie is it should be, (laughs) that's a bad way of putting it. I felt like it should have been a three way narrative that all intersect. Right. But we didn't, it never gets there. And the voices of the three characters that we do get, right? Like we get voiceover, dialogue voiceover monologuing from each of the three women but it's it's their voices and the language is too similar to distinguish them so like you don't actually really know who you're hearing you think you're here i thought i thought a lot of the time i was like i had to remind myself that i wasn't still hearing lily yeah when i was hearing the other two yeah and that's a problem, right? And I think that you can I it would be really fucking cool to get this intersecting three-way narrative from three different perspectives that end up at sort of a moment where you go holy shit. I get it. And that just doesn't quite get there. And so that to me that really hurts the movie because I can see a version where if those things are really well defined and and plot, plotted out in a in a different way that it becomes more of this triangle and in this case it felt like it's mostly lily with some sprinklings of the other two and that's um i mean yeah when you gave your three points I like what to do for each of the characters. I'm like, was definitely on board the Lily one, but the kind of line that it's straddling, which I don't know if I would want to lose because of what it's doing is keeping us with sort of Lily's like awareness or lack thereof, of these other two people. Um, Mm -hmm. It helps keep it spooky. Like I like that we don't actually get these um, revelations about uh, Iris and Polly. Um, or learn more about sort of them as what's making them the people who they are. Um, I don't know. I, I liked giving, still lending uh, each one of them an air of mystery. That um, I, I I'm I actually am co- totally. I think that's a really valid way to go about it too. If you know, you're essentially getting cutaways, right? You're getting a cutaway to the the other two people. And how you set that up 
there's lots of different ways you can do it. So let's say we really are staying with Lily and this is Lily's point of view of what's going on. It's her version of the events. That's totally fine. If if you're going to do it that way, really hang on to that. Like we get – it's close but not quite, right? She starts reading the book and then we get a flashback of Iris typing and we get into her narrative. But her narrative is – what she's saying is not the lines that she's typing into the book. It's just her internal monologue. And so that to me, that's where you start to get these disconnects where you're like, well – Okay, so now we're doing Iris's story, right? Like we're in another story. But we're 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 like half in, half out. And that's my problem. Like either be fully in, we've cut now and we're doing Iris, or stay with Lily's point of view and have it be Lily deducing or imagining Lily's story. And then and and the information is through discovery, right? If she's reading the book, we can just hear the words from the book. If she's reading a diary, we can hear the words of the diary. And then we st- we're still with Lily and we're still experiencing the unfolding of information through Lily. Yeah, we can still have totally those, those cutbacks, those flashbacks under that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like we got to be anchored to something one way or the other. Totally. And this version never seemed to have an anchor. Yeah. You could have three. Right. I'd be down with the three anchors. Each one of them is anchored within themselves and then they intersect. That's cool. You could have just Lily. She's the anchor and we're seeing it all through her point of view. Totally cool, too. Like, I'm down with that. I mean, you could you could flip it on its head and have it all be a misdirect. And it was all through fucking Polly's point of view. And she was just watching these events unfold. Yeah, I'm cool with that. But that's a thing. You've made that choice and you are. You are tied to it and you are firm on it. This never really – it was too floaty. It just never quite felt uh, locked in. Right. Well – So the end. <laughs> sometimes I, uh, I don't mind just being able to float. <laughs> put it that, That's fair. Put it that way. Um. Though, yes, no, I agree, though, in the end, like uh, pretty much most films that we watch, the missed opportunity aspect is always sad. Mm -hmm. And it's what we're doing here. Yeah. Great. All right. Yeah, if you want to hire us to, before you make your movie, (laughs) (laughs) we'll consult, we'll give you our two cents, and then maybe your movie will be better. Or you could tell us to fuck off. Right. Which maybe you just did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Tim, I'm sure for this movie you love, you have all sorts of fun little tidbits and things of a note. I mean, I do have a couple. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to get to it? Anything else? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Last section here. Things of note. This should be interesting. It was fun uh, at the beginning. It was dedicated to AP. <laughs> he calls his dad AP Anthony Perkins. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like it was a whole family affair because um, his younger brother, Elvis Perkins, did the music, was the composer. Oh, cool. And um, I don't know who this was, but on the credits list, we have James Perkins as John and Beatrix Perkins as Wendy. So forget who those were, but more Perkins is showing up. And then we had uh, Anthony Perkins himself made a cameo, actually, too, where she's. Oh, so. Oh, so James. So John and Wendy. Uh-huh. I'm going to I'm going to guess. And this is another thing. This is a thing of note because I am, don't understand it and I don't know where to put it. We twice at the beginning and the end see this like it's almost found footage style. Um you know, it's a, the iris is closed really hard. So you've got this vignette and it's just like the spotlight and we're just creeping around the dark house. Oh yeah. And we see, we see two little kids in bed and the first time we don't see them get out of bed. The second time we see one of them get out of bed and go to the bathroom. I think those are probably those two kids. Right. That you're right. But I don't, I don't under, I don't know what to make of that. Are we just that's just us seeing the next family that yeah, lived there and, and how they're just renting the space? I forgot to mention that. That is I love that stuff. I actually put that in what worked. Yeah, because they're those those like the modern cars out front. Mm-hmm. Um how that was shot with this just that sort of flashlight iris look felt like yeah. ghost vision or something in a way I hadn't hadn't <laughs> right. seen before or ever. Um I thought that was great. But yeah, yeah. I'm sure that was little James and Beatrix. <laughs> and then I was about to say, yeah, Anthony Perkins himself has a cameo. It's um forget the name of it, but it's a war film that he's in is um Lily's Lily's watching it, an Anthony Perkins movie. Uh, yes. What was I gonna say about this? Oh <laughs> the did you notice that the roof of the house was a comp? No. Yeah. I, it was very strange. I just from the inside or the outside. No, from the outside. So there's, they basically shoot the house from. There's one shot of the house that they use a bunch of times, and at different times of day, you know, sometimes a car is pulling up at like when the when her body gets taken out by the the paramedics or uh, coroner or whatever. It's all lockdown camera facing front facing the house symmetrical shot right. The roof, and I believe the roof of the garage, are a comp. And I, there's obviously there's a reason. I don't know what it is. My guess is that the current roof of that house has something modern on it that doesn't fit with the aesthetic that they were going for. And so they just created a fake roof, you know, a CGI fake roof. The the downside of it is that you can tell if you look that that it's a comp because there are shadows of like streaks of light on it. And every time they cut to a new shot of it and it's a different time of day, the streaks of light are exactly the same. Right. So like this, in other words, the sun hasn't moved as far as the roof is concerned, even though we're seeing that the sun is in a different place. Oh, and it really freaked me out because the first time I saw it, I just was like, you know, that roof looks kind of odd. It doesn't it's like a, it's kind of a maroon color and like haven't really seen a maroon roof before. And then when they showed it that another time, I was like, wait a minute, that's that shouldn't look like that. What's going on? So Whoa. then I became fixated on it, which is never great, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think 
there's another shot that's sort of a kind of an angled, like obscured shot that has the roof in it. And it was at night. And I think what it is, and I'm, I'd have to go back and look, but I think that there is a, a modern skylight, you know, like one of those 80s bubble skylights. Yeah, we had one of those. I think that it has one of those in one shot at night, then it's just in shadow. And that made me go, oh, well, if that's the case, that makes sense, right? You That would not fit with the aesthetic. So they had to kind of just comp it out. So, But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that that's all any of that's true for sure. All I know is something's up with the roof. <laughs> Possible skylight. Interesting. Yeah. That they had to hide. Well, the only other thing I had, this was a big thing of note, Tim, in the whole first chunk of the movie when she's like, you know, making the phone call and walking around the house. Lily. She's got a Grateful Dead shirt on, yes! <laughs> Indeed, she's wearing a Grateful Dead shirt. And tie-dye later, too. Yep. But uh, that's um, always a fun shout-out. Yeah. I, You know, what I think is interesting, too, there's a couple... Just these three actresses, Um, they're all... Re- like, I find them all to be really... I mean, A, super talented... But I really like this casting. I mean, I just think they're they're really fucking talented. They're really interesting individually. And they did a smart thing, which is not, you know, some movies kind of when you have, and I think this is just the world is dumb sometimes. Like we just fall into these patterns by accident because we're, we're not, you know, we're just slaves to society's bullshit. But like having each of these characters very different, like vibe was really smart. Yeah. Um, Lucy Boynton, I guess is how you say her. I, she's in a bunch of really, really fantastic movies. Like she's fucking great. Um, she's the she's Polly. Ruth Wilson, I don't really know her from anything, but she's fucking great. And then Paula Prentice, who plays. Uh, Iris. Old Iris, yeah. Yeah. She had not acted in, th- oh, I think they said, over 30 years. This is the first time she she came back yeah, to Yeah, she was in after. the original Stepford Wives. Yeah. And Catch-22, which I remember her from that. Uh, the Parallax View, which I believe is a, um, that's a Clint, uh, uh, yeah, that's a Clint Eastwood movie, I think, which is, <laughs> which is fun. Uh, I've seen it. She's good in it. You know, it's just interesting. And I I will say, I think when she was on camera, I was extremely drawn in. Like, she has quite a, a, a presence to her. Um, so it's nice. It's nice to see, you know, really fucking good acting. Well, sorry, we uh, should have included that up front with what worked. Yeah, I guess so. Um, because I, <laughs> I do... I, I, he yeah, Osgood, he's got a very specific casting sensibility, I've noticed, and I mm. I I dig it. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Anything else? Let's see. I don't know. No, I saved the the dead shirt was the big one I saved for last. <laughs> nice. Um yeah, I don't really have anything else. Great. It's divisive. I think some people like it and some people don't, so so be it. Indeed. Indeed. As per our disparate ratings would suggest. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, all of the reviews you read pretty much um, extremes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Extremes on both sides. Um, I, I, I will say this. Just this is a side note. So, yeah, bow, bow on this movie. Um, side note. Uh, reviewers, please, please stop comparing contemporary filmmakers to Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch. Fucking stop it. <laughs> it's annoying. You, nobody's going to do them, right? Like, stop. <laughs> I mean, there, but there's something like, I. it's helpful to be able to say the sort of the sharpness to the ghost had a very, quote unquote, Lynchian quality. <laughs> That's, yeah, okay. I mean, sure. I, I guess here's what I I'm don't saying. like comparing the the filmmakers themselves. It's, that's that's what I'm talking about. That pisses me off. You could say this has a, a, a it's got a Hitchcock kind of feel to it, or it's got a Kubrick feel to it, or a Lynch Lynchian feel to it. That's fine. What I'm saying is stop being like the next David Lynch. Fuck off. <laughs> right, I agree with that. Um, is that a specific review you were looking at? Yeah, I mean, just somebody was like comparing. They're like, oh. This is, he may be the next David Lynch or Stanley Kubrick or Roman Polanski. And it's like, or, or all of those people are way different. <laughs> right. What are you talking about? <laughs> I liked, um, no, it was cool to hear like um, on, I was listening to a podcast on, um, on Gretel and Hansel and she was describing, it felt like, uh, you know, a, a mashup mix or, or elements of, you know, and I think she said like, Jodorowsky, Lynch, someone else, hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's that's okay. It's helpful. Yeah, I oh, one other review thing. I so I guess not a bow on this, but this is a this is a perfect review. This is from April Wolf of the Village Voice. <laughs> "Quote the most atmospherically faithful adaptation ever of a Shirley Jackson book that never existed." <laughs> <laughs> Which I definitely in the movie thought to myself, I was like, is this based on a Shirley Jackson short story or like maybe a Lovecraft short story? And then it it doesn't go to a Lovecraft place. And so I was like, oh, maybe it is a Shirley Jackson short story. That makes sense. And then it's totally not. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, weird. But cool. Yeah. That's a good person to be influenced by. I mean, fuck. I mean, atmosphere. Hey. We agreed there. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. All right. Well, Tim, do you have anything you'd like to recommend Dead for us? Ooh, I probably did. <laughs> now I don't remember what it was. I've been, um, well, no, I got a lot here, I want to say. So I'll just try to start farther back. But, um, Oh, oh! I don't think I mentioned this yet. The new Kelly Reichardt movie came out um, on VOD last month. Finally, First Cow. If you missed that, check it out. It was great. First Cow. Okay. Yeah, um, I finally made it through watching all of her films, and um, I think Old Joy. It's hard to not be my favorite, but Certain Women was maybe my my next favorite. First Cow. One's way up there too. Hmm. So you know, look, looking to see, had, see her newest stuff first. Check it out. 
I've had a bad streak of things that I've put on that I've really disliked. Does does that include any of the movies that I've lent you to watch? Did you hate Night at the Creeps? Uh, I have not watched it yet. Okay. Parasite? I have not watched that yet. Okay. I tried that movie. Um, oh, shit. What was it called? The one you said you asked me if it was any good. Uh, Mayhem? Yes, Mayhem. Thank you. Uh, that was a dud. Um, my friend made me watch Hocus Pocus. <laughs> so it's got to be a nostalgia movie if you're going to be into it, I feel like. <sighs> oh, man, that is a rough I could one. see Tim just mad watching everyone's favorite <laughs> old Disney childhood <laughs> Halloween movie. Uh, I was pretty upset by it. Uh, I watched the original Mulan. That was pretty good. So can you recommend Ed that? Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen the original Mulan, yeah, it's pretty solid. <laughs> it's got a couple problematic things in it, let's be honest. But for the most part, it's pretty sweet. Cool. Great. Yeah. I'm excited. I want to see the new one when it's streaming. I'm trying to get through, you know, some old Disney stuff. Oh, old. I mean, not really. I've watched all the old shit, but, you know, there's an era of Disney that I never really watched. Uh, my, and I'm trying to go through, it's like late 80, early 90s, basically, I mean, or all of the 90s. That's known as their kind of, I don't know, their, their early 90s, at least, is their their heyday. Or their, a peak, a period of, of peak, you know, Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the okay, Beast. Okay, so, so post that, I guess so it would be, oh, that makes more sense. So it's late 90s, early 2000s. So you, is the era that I didn't watch. Ditto. I haven't seen those either. Hercules, Mulan, so a, exactly, uh, Hunchback. Of like, no, that wasn't Disney. I haven't seen any of those. I haven't seen those either. But Tim, so their one that they did after going CG for a while is probably my favorite animated Disney movie, which is Princess and the Frog. Yes, haven't seen that. Um, that one's great. I, I really love that one. Well, Tim, yeah, are you gonna are you gonna spend thirty dollars to watch the live action Mulan? No. I mean, I considered asking you if you wanted to split it, but I'm like, no, I would just rather I'm fine. I'm very OK with waiting till December. Yeah, that's my feeling. Too. <laughs> but but I, I'd like to see it because I'm curious. No, I I'm I, I kind of have a fascination with those live action Disney movies. Two of them, yeah. I think, are pretty legit good. The other ones, there's always something. It's kind of they're really interesting experiments in a way. Yeah, um, agreed. I, I think I recommended it. Uh, yeah. Um, the lady and the tramp. I really liked. And then, oh, nice. um, and then, uh, a Pete's dragon. Anyway, little tangent, Disney tangent has to happen every once in a while. It's easy. It's easy to go into. So take our two recommendations. Uh, what a double screening that will be first cow and Mulan, the animated version. <laughs> you Have yourself an evening, Tim. Uh, <laughs> is it your turn to pull to see? <gasps> Yeah, let me reach over uh, into this uh, hat uh, right uh. over here. Great. <laughs> Tim, Tim, hold, okay, I hear it. That's enough. I That doesn't sound like a hat to me, Tim. You know what, Ryan? You're right. It's the skull bell. Right, it's our skull bike bell, which you haven't heard for a while because we haven't seen a new release for a while. <laughs> but thanks to... The Virtues of Netflix, there is a new release that we feel compelled that we have to see because it is a sequel 
that I had no idea was coming. <laughs> um, a sequel to the subject of our very first episode, The Babysitter, entitled The Babysitter Killer Queen Woo-hoo. 2020 new release baby. Mick G in Let's the go. house. <laughs> Mick G is back <laughs> <laughs> to babysit us through and through. Oh boy. I'm very, very excited. Well, the first one's good, so unexpectedly good. I, yeah, if you can get down with Mick G, which I was so surprised. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, how, you know me. How much, yeah, <laughs> how much I did. Um, great. All right. Well, until then, you can find us wherever you found us. We're at dismemberinghorror.com. And after Climax will bring us to um, October films. Actually, Climax is going to be released on October 1st, but then we have four more episodes to be released in mm-hmm. in October. So how about then no, we'll, we'll continue teasing it. Mm. <laughs> that we're going to do special from a series, a famous series of horror films. Anyway, great. Well, feel free to tweet at us and in, in your guesses. Sure. Tweet at us. Feel free to tweet at us anything at That's right. <laughs> at dishorpod and our Instagram too, at dismembering horror. <laughs> Great. Well, hey, I think that's it, Tim. Um, sorry you didn't enjoy it more, but I hope uh, <laughs> it doesn't dissuade you from wanting to see uh, Han- Gretel and Hansel. Nope, I, I would still like to see it. Great. Should. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, hey, we do mean it when we say it. Thank you so, so much for being here. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> 